Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Well, we're going to talk about culture, and I do discuss that there is a culture of heaven, mm. that there is a culture in the other realm, that there is a culture of Jesus Christ, and the people of God, when they give their full allegiance to the Lord and begin to learn how to live by His life together mm. yes. in a yes. corporate, yes. collective expression, be it a kingdom cell or a kingdom community, they begin to take on the culture of heaven and reflect Amen. and display it. And that culture of the heavenly realm is one that supersedes and transcends and trumps, no pun intended, uh, the culture that we have grown up in, the mm. culture that we were born into, the natural culture. Yes. I guess one way to describe transformation, growing into the culture of Christ wow. and yeah. expressing that culture. Mm. So I know you, you've done a lot of uh, thinking and reflecting on this topic of culture. Culture and kingdom, and like Frank was uh, just saying, and I read this book by Charles Kraft. And it's called Christianity and Culture. Kraft is a believer, a missionary, an anthropologist. He was a trained anthropologist before he came to the Lord. And an anthropologist studies cultures. And I love what he says. I'm going to try to break this down. Culture is seen by anthropologists as the integrated system of learned behavior patterns, which are characteristic of the members of a society, and which are not the result of biological inheritance. Humans are understood to be totally, inextricably immersed in culture. Each human individual is born into a particular socio-cultural context, and from that point on, persons are conditioned by the members of their society in countless, largely unconscious ways to accept as natural and to follow rather uncritically the cultural patterns of that society. So, in respect to the kingdom culture or the kingdom community, and let me just say one more thing about culture that Kraft says. He says, our culture is that in terms of which our life is organized. You got to really hear that. Our culture is that in terms of which life is organized. So, here's basically what Kraft is saying. Kraft is saying that when we grow up, we get learned patterns of behavior that we're not even conscious of, that we live by, that we organize our lives by. So, for example, I'm an American. I grew up in America, and I speak English. I didn't go to school to learn how to speak English. At some point, I was a baby in the crib, and I heard people speaking to me, and I began to repeat the speech and patterns of speech that I heard. And I grew up, and that's mm -hmm. how I learned how to speak English. Well, there's other things that I learned that I'm not conscious of that help me organize my life and the patterns and, and things that I do. So, for example, my father always worked two jobs. 
He's just a hard worker. He grew up during the Depression, the, the Great Depression in the 1930s. So there was, he grew up during a time of extreme poverty and economic insecurity. So therefore, he always worked two jobs, even if he didn't have to work two jobs, because part of his culture was to make sure that you provide for your family. Yeah. Well, the learned behavior that I got from that was I, to provide for my family, work two jobs. Now I'm in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm married, and my wife and I are having our first child. But the Lord has already impressed upon my heart. He doesn't want me to work two jobs. Because working two jobs and seeking provision like that, he wants me to be able to have time to spend with him and spend with my family mm -hmm. and, and then different things in serving him. But I have this struggle because I have this unbeknownst to me learned behavior that I got to go work two jobs. Mm -hmm. I go out and work the second job. The whole time, the spirit is nudging me. You know, you shouldn't be doing this. And it takes me a couple of weeks and I repent and I quit the job. But a few months later, I go get another job again. And my wife is saying to me, didn't the Lord say for you not to work too? And the jobs are taken away from my time with the Lord because I'm working 16, 17 hours a day, six days a week. And I'm being driven by this compulsion that I'm not even aware of where it comes from. Now, that's different from... A blatant sin, let's say drug abuse or adultery, you know that that's wrong. But to the average American, probably even unaverage American, well, working two jobs is a social norm. And that's even a social norm today. But it was a competitor with the kingdom of God, with the headship and lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. And I had to really sit down and just like struggle and wrestle with that. And trust the Lord in that. But I always wondered, why do I have this compulsion? It wasn't until I read Kraft's book that I was like, wow, if I had that learned behavior that I was unaware of, what other learned behaviors do I have that I'm unaware of that my life is organized around that I'm not even aware of? And I'm saying that my life is organized around Christ, but I have these other cultural influences that are influencing the way I live. So this morning at breakfast, I was telling Frankie V here in his book that he did with George Barna, Pagan Christianity, in chapter 11, they start out by saying, why is it that we Christians can follow the same rituals every Sunday without ever noticing that they are at odds with the New Testament? The incredible power of tradition has something to do with it. Then they say, as we have seen, the church has often been influenced by the surrounding culture, seemingly unaware of its negative effects. And I read that this morning and I was like, wow. It, then they go on to say, there is something else, something more fundamental that most Christians are completely unaware of that concerns the New Testament. So culture is a learned behavior. We're basically unconscious of it. And our lives are centered around it, but we're basically unconscious of it. And it takes the light of the gospel of the kingdom of God yes. and the Holy Spirit and a heart leaning towards Christ and desiring to uh, be a part of the eternal purpose of God. And this is where coming into face-to-face -face community and kingdom selves with other people under the headship of Christ. And we have to get free in areas of our life where our culture is dominating us more, 
our culture is leading us in organizing our life more than the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans 8, 13, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. That includes daughters too. So we have to be able to see where we're more captured by our culture than we are captured by Jesus Christ. And so culture can have more of an influence upon us and our walk with the Lord, but it can also have just even more of an influence and deter us because human culture is birthed out of fallen human civilization, which we'll talk about in the further podcast. We're talking about the conception and birth of the, of the world system. And so the world system is, as Frankie V brings out in Insurgents, is the enemy, the chief enemy of the kingdom of God. So if our culture is birthed out of the world system and our lives are organized around culture that's mysterious or even we're unconscious of, then the enemy of God, the counterfeit of the kingdom of God, could be the thing that's dictating our lives more than the spirit of God. Yeah. And I really hope that your eyes, the eyes of your heart, are being open to see the seriousness and the urgency that we have to have in identifying cultural traditions that we're more bound to than Jesus Christ. That's a good word. Amen. That's a good word. Just to add a footnote to this, there are aspects of culture that are completely neutral. Amen. And there's no need to revamp those or change them. For example, in some cultures, you eat with certain utensils. Amen. Put a napkin near the plate or on your lap. You have a drink with the meal. Other cultures, you use completely different utensils to eat. And so consequently, it's not that culture in itself is always bad. Yeah, amen. But as you point out, it is a dominating effect that's often subconscious. And some aspects of the culture definitely need to be re-looked at yes. in light of yes. the culture of the kingdom, yes, yes, which is its yes. own culture. Its own culture. If you see a kingdom community, say, in Asia, and it truly is under the headship of Christ, and the elements are out of life, it's going to look different yeah. than a kingdom community yeah. in the United States. That's right. Yeah. But is also out of life and under the headship of Christ, yet it's still going to have some commonalities yeah. Because they both have the culture of heaven. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of the way it expresses itself, it's going to be different because it's in two different cultures. And that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But there are many aspects of the culture, our culture, that absolutely need to be turned away from, abandoned, and repented of. And I think, too, this gets into politics because we'll look at the political system in a future podcast, but certain cultures culture in which one grows up in teaches and conditions yeah. the individuals in that culture how to vote. That's right. That's right. And if you don't vote that way, yes. then you have now become an enemy to your own culture. That's right. So maybe you can speak to that a little bit. Well, I grew up in a culture that just voted democratic. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. They just that's what they did. So I'm ten. I never voted, but you know, you're sitting around. Remember how you learn English. You you hear conversations, you know, between your parents, your parents' friends, and people talking, you know. So at the school, we all vote. The whole school votes. 
And so, you know, I'm at this exclusive prep school. I grew up in a household and around other people who are always Democrats. So when the tallies came back, and I believe that year in the presidential election, it was Gerald Ford was a Republican and Jimmy Carter was a Democrat. Well, it was like 98% for Gerald Ford. And I was confused because I just assumed everybody was a Democrat would vote that way. When I sat around with some of my best friends and we talked about it, they were like, oh yeah, no, Ford, because see, one of the big things he wants to do is take away the inheritance tax. And I'm like, well, what's inheritance? Because I come from a poor working class family. I don't even know anything about that. It's irrelevant to me. That was never a conversation in my household about the inheritance tax. But to a person whose father, you know, owns four seats on the New York Stock Exchange, that was an issue to them, and that's what they talked yeah, about. Man. So now we had this clash, and what was so interesting was I began to view them differently, and they looked at me differently, and if we talked about that, we'd argue. And so you really got to catch that. I mentioned in an earlier podcast when I was 10, my first three days I was in eight fights, but now it was like four years later, and... Here I am, you know, with some people that I established friendships with, played sports with, stayed over at their homes, even vacationed with, and then now we're angry at each other because I wanted President Carter and they wanted President Ford. Mm-hmm. And we weren't even of age to actually vote. Yeah, isn't that something? It starts crazy. out early. Yeah. Yeah, the bloodletting yeah. starts out early, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. And that's a perfect example of cultural conditioning. Yes. And now it becomes <clears throat> even stronger in that one's identity is wrapped up in the way they yes. vote. Yes. And if you don't vote a certain way, particularly the way your cultural environment tells you to vote, then now you're a sellout. Now you are part of the enemy camp, right? Yes. And this yes. happens across the board. Yes. So like other parts of the country <coughs> and other cultures, they all vote Republican. Yes. And so if you were to stray from that and you voted Democrat, well, then you're a sellout, you're <laughs> yeah. your betrayer, etc. And then there are other parts of the country, and their culture is never to vote at all. Yes. And not out of conviction. Yeah. They just don't care. Yeah. You see what I mean? And so if you're voting in that culture, then you're strange. You know, well, what are you doing that for? So, again, there is the need to examine one's culture in the light of the Holy Spirit. In the supplemental article to the book, and those of you who have insurgents know this, but there is a website that has numerous articles that are free to download that are supplement to the book. These articles wouldn't fit into the book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The publisher said, we've got to stop at this page number, (laughs) and so we can't put them in the book, but what you could do is create a web page, and readers could find the links to those articles. You can mention the article in the footnotes, in the actual text as well, and say, go to this website to read this article. But one of the articles is called The Origin of Human Government mm, yeah. and Hierarchy. Yeah, it's good. And in that conversation, which really looks at government, where it came from, yeah. many Christians just assume, basically by looking at two passages in the Bible, that God created human government. Mm-hmm. And I argue that is not the case. Yes. And I show scripturally how that is so, as well as historically. And then the other piece of it is human hierarchy. Where did hierarchy come from? Yeah, yeah. And that's a real intriguing 
fascinating study raises conclusions that would be shocking to many people because we all know hierarchy. It's in every yeah. aspect of the world system. It's part of our culture. And it's been part of the culture of every single human civilization. Yes, yes. Going back to the very beginning. Yes. Post Genesis 1 and 2. It's a discussion on those things, but there is a section in that article, in that essay, where I talk about Christ and culture. Yes. And I'm drawing from the language of Neighbor's book, yes. Christ and Culture. I use the same categories, you know, Christ against culture, Christ the transformer of culture, Christ of culture, etc. But I reframe the whole thing in light yeah. of the gospel of the kingdom, yeah. so the yeah. conclusions yeah. are different. But uh, that may be something that listeners may want to go and look at. Definitely. Uh, just to get a deeper Absolutely. apprehension of yeah. this concept. But, uh, <coughs> but yeah, talk some more about culture and the cultural influences as it relates to the kingdom of God and the gospel of the kingdom. Well, you know, Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul exhorts us that, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age or this world, this world system, mm -hmm. but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern, distinguish what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we talked about in the early podcast, and you bring this out right in the beginning of the book, Insurgents, about the type of disciple that's produced is a result of the gospel yes. that's preached. That's right. And so when the gospel of the kingdom of God is preached under the anointing of God and the Holy Spirit is speaking through that human vessel, mm. then when you hear that, that helps to develop your spiritual instincts. Yes. And then when you, Frank's, Frankie V's course, you know, living by the indwelling life of Christ, and in those kingdom cells, in that face-to-face -face community, you know, we're building up our spiritual instincts. And something that I read of Frank's material, probably in Living and by the Indwelling Life of Christ, and maybe in another book, but he talks about a divine habitat. If you take a polar bear from the Antarctica, and you put them in the Everglades here in Florida, That's right. then that polar bear is not going to thrive probably won't be able to reproduce unless you put some special conditions up. But the key is, is that every living organism mm. has a habitat Amen. that is conducive to it to develop and grow and reach its full potential. Yes. And so as believers in Christ, as new creation, we are supposed to be in a divine habitat. Yes. Amen. And I believe that a kingdom cell is a divine habitat. I believe that learning to live by the indwelling life of Christ is part of that divine habitat. And when you develop those spiritual instincts, then over time what begins to happen is instinctively you'll be able to discern, as that text says, as you're renewed in your mind, when the culture that you grew up, those unaware behaviors mm. that you're not aware, you'll be like, wow, he'll shed light on it. And you'll be like, okay, Lord, thank you and move in whatever direction. As Frank said, and I'm glad he said it, there's some things in culture that are neutral. It's neutral. But we have to at least be aware of those things that will hinder us yeah. from growing and developing in a divine habitat. Because Paul, as Frank had alluded to in Philippians 3, and he's talking about our citizenship is in heaven. And around Philippians 3, around verse 18, he says, For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Mm. Their end is destruction, 
Their God, small case G, is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things. Oh, wow. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. I really want you to listen to that part where he says they're focused on earthly things. Yeah, wow. But our citizenship is in heaven. Oh. Our citizenship. And we are a divine colony yes. that's in the earth to reflect the image and the glory of God in the earth. And so we have a heavenly culture. And so just like we learned this natural culture coming up, we start out now getting renewed in our minds and spiritual instincts and creating kingdom cells with divine habitat and growing in that culture. Why? So that God can have a group of people who are insurgents, who are radical for him, who are reflecting his glory and image in the earth. We are a better place in a fallen civilization, yes. right? And we demonstrate that, and Christ is above culture. Amen. I love that. I love that. I'm glad you shared Philippians 3. And many people who are listening to this podcast, when you were sharing, Jeffrey, what was going through their head was, I, as an individual, am a colony from heaven. I, as an individual, mm. display God's glory. I, as an individual, am an alternative civilization. That is incorrect. Amen. A civilization is corporate and collective. Amen. A colony is corporate and collective. We are talking about a face-to-face -face <coughs> community. Now, certainly there's an individual dimension to that, but Christianity, by and large, today is all individualistic. Yes. And the purpose of you going to church which is a, not a biblical concept. You never go to Ecclesia. You're part of the Ecclesia in the first century. You're part of this community, people who know each other and are in one another's lives. But in our world, in our day, you go to this thing called church, which really is a service. You listen to preaching so that you can now, as an individual living an individualistic life, exemplify the kingdom of God in your home, in your job, etc., the problem with that is the first century Christians, the New Testament itself, Jesus himself, Paul himself, the whole kingdom message was not meant for an individual. Amen. It is community. It is a people together who are learning how to live by Christ, know Christ, live under his kingship, display his kingship together as a shared life. Amen. And yes, as an individual... You bring that experience into your home, into your workplace, into your relationships, into your business, but not as an isolated person Amen. trying to do this thing outside of a face-to-face -face community. It's kind of an overflow of that community life. And that's why the stress is so important on forming the kingdom cell, which anybody can do. Amen. You just need another person. Two or three, that's the minimum. You form the kingdom cell, and again, on my blog, there's a post, frankvola.org, just look in the search, forming a kingdom cell, just put kingdom cell there. And it's very simple. It's not complicated to put one together. Amen. To create the environment for one to begin. And then out of that, God willing, with the Lord's blessing, a community yes. can be established, yes. what yes. I call ecclesia. Hallelujah. Amen. Which is that colony of Amen. heaven on earth in yes. a given town or city. Yes. 
And that, sisters and brothers, is the fruit of the gospel of the kingdom. Yes. It produces that kingdom community, which again is an alternative civilization living in fallen human civilization with different values, yes. different lifestyle, and a different culture. Amen. That's good. Just to piggyback with that community, because like you said, think of our culture. Our culture in America is based on Thomas Jefferson. It's called Jeffersonian individualism. Mm. The Protestant ethic that I heard growing If you work hard, get a good education, then you can make money and you can be successful. Get the house, the wife, the picket fence. But it's all driven to the individual. Okay. And our culture in the kingdom is we work to give, not work to get. Yes. Protestant ethic is work to get. Yeah. Christian ethic is work to give, yeah. to be able to share. And so we are so individualistic. I used to think that as an African-American male, that I wasn't like as Americanized. But mm. when I went to Africa and I saw how they lived in tribal community and tribes, I realized how individualistic I am. Mm. Like I like to read. Well, in the community I was in, in Senegal, I'm taking out my Kindle out in public. That's an insult because of their culture. When you read by yourself, you're telling everyone else, I don't want to shake hands. I don't want to interact with everyone else. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I'm more Americanized than what I thought. It kind of highlighted that to me. There's nothing wrong with reading out in public, I don't think. And right. so if you're going to another culture, you need to study that culture yeah. so you're not offensive yeah. to them. But my point is, it made me see just how individualistic you know, I am. And there's some things where we need solitary time, where yeah. we need to have those things. But we were made to be in community. Yes, and we look at the Godhead, the Father, Son, That's and right. the Holy Spirit. Right That's the paradigm for community life. You know, uh, Jesus, they all are equal, distinct three persons, but one. That's us. We've been invited to be a part of that Godhead community. So there is no long ranger Christian. Amen, brother. Well, wonderful. We will um, end it here, and we'll look forward to meeting with you next time in the next episode of the Insurgents Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.